get this done on the time allotted. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, something I wanted to kind of bring up. I don't know how many of you get the Direct Connect deal. I'm sure Bill keeps you guys pretty informed down there, uh, just because I think he sits on the board. But we get it up here. Uh, a lot of work going on in Papua New Guinea. Uh, received email through our website from a lady named Linda in Papua New Guinea, uh, stating that she had found our website and deeply moved by one of our po posts about Mr. Folk in Vietnam. The article mentions how uh, Mr. Folk had buried aborted fetuses and also talked with women who were seeking to get an abortion because they are poor and not able to take care of a baby. Mr. Folk tells them to have the baby and we will take care of the child. Linda says that she wanted to get involved in helping others as well and wondered if she could work with us possibly in PNG. Here is Linda in her own words. We did not include her last name. Hi, Steve. I am Linda from Papua New Guinea and I am 40 years old and I am a widow with three children. I found your page on Google and read a story about Mr. Folk, the man who has the heart to find and land and bury fetuses and also caring for the pregnant women in Indonesia. I am moved by his good act and how your team has come to help him in areas where he is struggling. I am so interested in working with such a group like yours who goes out and help maintain humanity and livelihood of the unfortunates. I have no degrees of social work, but I have a heart to serve and help people that are here and help people that are in desperate needs and situations. I am currently unemployed. Is it possible for you, for me to apply to your office? Please let me know. Thank you, Linda. So obviously great work going on there. Um, and it doesn't matter if you don't have a degree, right? I think I remember somewhere... Paul and the rest of the apostles talking about untrained and unfiltered men, uneducated men going out and doing the gospel work. So I, I think there's a, uh, somewhere there's a history for that. A precedent has been set. So uh, Linda's plan, uh, sounds like we responded to Linda, asked for more information about herself, along with what kind of assistance uh, she had in mind as far as us possibly working together. And again, in her words, from my point of view, after sharing and speaking with my friends who are widows and single mothers, I have noticed that we are in desperate need of finance to support and maintain the welfare of our children. Most of us are currently unemployed because we have not achieved a diploma or degree in our educational career and find a better job with a higher labor rate. We are struggling financially to make ends meet for us and our children. Linda would be the leader of a group of six single women, widowed and single or widowed women, and want to raise chickens and pigs to support their families and others. So she's got a plan, and Steve's working on on getting that all squared away, and it's a great little plan. I'll pass this around. Um, Church Christ Minister Job Massa with his family in PNG, and Steve and Aaron Knotts in New Zealand. Uh, we appreciate the cooperative efforts with those who are willing to reach out and get involved to help poor women find better ways to ways to better their situation. These fine people are just looking for an opportunity to do something for themselves and their families. We appreciate Aaron Knotts from New Zealand for putting us in contact with Job. Job Mesa, his friends, and a brother in Christ who is willing to go and meet Linda and her group. Funds have been set aside, sent for the first phase of the project, which is to build animal pens. Steve writes here, we truly appreciate your generous support. God bless you, Steve. So, I mean, just a lot of great things. As we talk about preaching the gospel, as we talk about getting the gospel out, as we're about to here, too, um, and I'm going to say it, you know, preach the gospel, you use words if necessary, and I'm going to quote where that's from. There's a lot of opportunities we have to help others, and in that we are preaching the gospel, and in that gives us the actual opportunity to preach the gospel. I love this because this is like getting involved. This is being participants in the gospel. Uh, we just recently got a phone call from Jeff Hostetter, a gal that was formerly in one line of work that isn't all that reputable, wants to be able to get out and do something else, asked us to, if we could help to be able to 
uh, provide some funds for her to get a legitimate job. And it's like, yeah, we'd love to, absolutely love to. So those are the things that we can do. I mean, we just need to get creative. We get creative every day with things that we find to be value to us or find things that we like to do. We need to want to be active participants in the gospel. And so I'll pass this around. But it's great to see what's going on with worldwide humanitarian aid and, and, uh, and all those opportunities we have to be participants in the gospel. So with that, without further ado, let us get into the preaching here. I want to look first at Paul and Paul's example. Um, I mean, that's to me, that's a great example. Finding a need, right? There was a movie. What was that movie? The Find a Need, Fill a Need. It was a, not a Disney movie, but it was a funny little movie. The kids, what's it? Robots, that's what it was. Find a Need and Fill a Need. And I always loved that message, right? Find a Need and Fill a Need. Because if... If you got the right find, if you got the right need to find, right, you can always find a way to, to fulfill that, and and um, it's just very important that, that we be open to that stuff. Carla's here today, and I know she was the one that first got us up with with Children's Center way back when. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of things. I mean, we're still supporting them to this day. I find that to be very good work because of what they've got going on, what they do for kids that have been abused. If we have the heart to serve, we will find the outlet to serve in. And that's what I really want to get to. But I want to, want to go through and look at Paul's example first here. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 8. Paul says, First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God whom I serve in the spirit of preaching, for God whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how I unceasingly make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests. If perhaps now at last by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. That is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I have often planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. We need to understand that among all the things we discuss and all the things we talk about, the gospel and the power of the gospel to change lives, the power of the gospel to transport somebody out of darkness and into light, and how many people are in darkness, especially nowadays, right? I mean, there's just a lot of fear in the world. A lot of fear. Uncertainty breeds fear. At work, a lot of times, it breeds chaos as well. And, and if, you, if you've got a plan, and I'll, I'll put this in kind of a couple contexts, but at, at work at least, in chaos, if we've got our act together, if we're doing our things right, there's a lot of opportunity. What does that mean? There's room for profit. If somebody else fails to plan, we haven't. We'll, we'll make profit off of this because if they fail to plan, we'll bring a plan in, come in, execute it, and we'll do well. Uh, Dave Ramsey teaches in Financial Peace that, right, those who fail to plan, guess who's got a plan? Visa's got a plan. And when you fail to save, 
Visa's got your backup plan, and it comes at like 19 to 25%, right? And so we all know that, and so planning, right, and how important it is that in all this chaos, if we have a plan, which we have, it's called the gospel, the life, the death, and the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a plan in that chaos to save people. Like, we've got the plan, right? So just like we make profit at chaos at work, when when people say, hey, do this to our building, and they don't plan it out very well, we're like, we'd love to. <laughs> Let us come in and save you. <laughs> Cut the check. Um, and, and like Dave Ramsey says in Financial Peace, when he says, if you fail to plan for the future and fail to have an emergency account and fail to, to know that Murphy is going to happen, Murphy is going to visit you, Visa has a plan, and it comes at a steep cost of anywhere from 15 to 30%. We have a spiritual plan which is better, right? When people, you've heard me say this before and you guys haven't been around, but it's something I've been on. I always, Jen and I've had this conversation a few times that people, people don't want to live forever because they mess their lives up so bad in the here and now. Like not only do they not want to, it's like they couldn't, right? They're just, they make such a mess, you know, so it took me 40 years to get this bad. I don't want another, right, eternity to really mess things up. And, and so we need to have that plan. We need to, to live life in such a way that we are eternal beings, right? So many people are just like, I'm just going to do what feels right. And you find out when you do what feels right, it takes about, well, I mean, it could take anywhere from a day to 10 years to really mess up your life just doing what feels good. And, and unfortunately, that's what happens, and we fail to plan. But Paul, you know, he says, listen, man, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise, and to the foolish. So my, my point is, if Paul was under obligation to preach the gospel, does that make us under obligation to preach the gospel? And my contention is, yes, it is. It, we, are, we are under obligation to preach the gospel. As it says, and we'll read later, both in season and out of season, rebuke, rebor- re- exhort, um, and teach with great patience and, and suffering. We need to see ourselves as participants in the gospel. And too often, the evangelist, the preacher, they're the ones that are out doing it. Or, or the other people that maybe he laid hands on, they're supposed to be doing it. Not understanding that that, that, that commandment, that obligation is all of our obligation. And I want to go through that today. Well, what if I'm not an evangelist? What if I'm not a preacher? What if I'm not a teacher? I think there might be some other positions you could fill in the goal of preaching the gospel. We'll go through that. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. Somebody want to read to me what, the, what that says in their Bible right before that first verse there in Romans chapter 15? Self-denial on behalf of others. Self-denial on the behalf of others. That can't mean what it says. <laughs> right? Nah. We're reading it wrong. Let's, you know what? I might make a lot of money going writing a book on why Romans 15, verses 1 through 21, and that little line there, self-denial on the behalf of others, doesn't mean what it seems to obviously mean. Not at all, right? Self-denial on the behalf of others. Now, we who are strong, well, we're all strong. We all, I mean, how many people are like, nope, that's not me, I'm weak. Not me. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those who are without strength, and what? What? And not just please ourselves. Oh, I will be the first to admit right here on screen, that hurts at times. I like pleasing myself. I'll be the first. Now let me, I like doing fun things. Everybody knows that. And so we need to obviously realize 
This applies to us all, right? There are times when the sacrifice that is required as such means you're not going to be able to do what you want to do. And it says, so <clears throat> bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his, let me, let me read this right, each of us is to please our neighbor for our neighbor's good. That his isn't referring to you who's doing the good, but to the one who the good is being done for. To his, our neighbor's, edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but that is, as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our, that's us today, Christians' instruction, so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And boy, do we need it today. Now may the God who gives us perseverance and encouragement grant to you to be of the same mind with one, accord, one other, another according to Jesus Christ, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore accept one another, as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth, of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy as is written. Therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles and will sing your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let the, all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, there shall come the root of Jesse and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. That's us, just so you know. We were the Gentiles, unless anybody here was born a Jew first. That's us. Now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself am also convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness. So Paul's writing to these folks saying, I know you are full of goodness, that you can do this work. Filled with knowledge and able to admonish one another, but I have written very boldly to you on some points as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me for me from God to be a minister of Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest of the gospel of God, so that my offering among the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting for things pertaining to God, for I will not presume to speak of anything except that which Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and in wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ and thus aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. The last time I checked walking around Portland... I think we've got one of the least church states in the union. And so the good news to that is there's a lot of people who haven't heard the gospel. Never, right? Now you go to the Bible Belt, they're raised in the churches. May not be going to church anymore, but they heard it. So we have this glorious opportunity, at least here in Oregon, and I have a feeling it's probably like that a lot of places, that we can preach to those who have not ever heard the gospel don't know what Christian living is about. They don't know why people go to assembly every Lord's Day morning. They don't understand the peace that surpasses understanding. They don't understand the principles, the scriptural principles to life, which lead to godliness, which lead to joy and peace and contentment. All these things are wide open targets if we just are, 
have our minds set on this glorious opportunity of preaching the gospel. And, and that's all Paul is laying out here throughout Romans is, listen, man, we have the obligation, we have the opportunity, we have the privilege to preach the gospel to those that don't know it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through uh, 5, 2. <clears throat> Again, the, the little admonition above that scripture is called the Christian's walk. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. <clears throat> Oops. Uh, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, but let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Be imitators of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And I really love the example in here. Let him who steals, steal no longer. It doesn't just stop there, right? Okay, I won't steal. But rather, right, let's take your energy and your focus and put it somewhere else. But do what now? Work with your hands so that you might have something to share with somebody else. There is no vacuum spiritually, right? Jesus said it's like a man, right, who after cleaning his house and getting all the spirits out and doing all that, he's got this nice clean house and there's nothing, it's all shiny and empty. And guess who moves in? Seven demons worse than the first and the last state of that man is worse than the first state. That if we don't come to Christ, if we aren't immersed and we learn and if we don't actively work on doing what is right, there's no just cleaning up the house and then leaving it empty. And unfortunately, and I'm guilty of this, in the church, we, we bring people in, but we don't give them anything to do. We bring people in, but we don't give them any, responsible, any responsibility. We bring people in and say, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll do all the work. And the reality in the church is if we don't give people that are converted something to do positive, then they will be like that man whose last state is worse than the first because we'll get them all cleaned up. We'll put them in the water. They'll be you know, buried with Christ and resurrected with Christ, given the Holy Spirit, but without something to do, without a path forward, without a clear picture of what do I need to do, what do I do, they're just going to go back to what they did, right? And in a lot of cases, I find myself having done just that. I don't know what to do. I'm doing all this stuff, but I've got more time and I've got more energy. 
Um, nobody's told me to do this. Nobody's given me any authority. Nobody's given me any responsibility. I guess I'll go get really good at my career. I'll start taking up fishing. I'll do other things. And the reality is, is if we as a people, as the saints, learn and we, we know, that means the people that we disciple, the people we're discipled by, the people in leadership, we all need to understand, we all need something to do. And that's where it's important to reach out to one another, right? And encourage one another, not just as it says in word, but indeed speaking truth to one another. Hey, can you help me in this? Because literally my, my core belief is, is that we really don't become who Jesus wants us to be until we put our hand to the plow, until we really start working on on becoming less about us and more about others, then we truly become like Jesus Christ. And in the work is where we find salvation. And I don't, I'm not saying that I'm saved by works. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that we are transformed by the work that we do on behalf of Christ. And I hope, I hope that distinction comes out very clear. We're not saved by working hard, that we got to do these things. But I would rather put it saying that we are transformed in the image of him who bought us by doing the work that he did to buy us, by doing the sacrifices. And that's what the scriptures are saying, that in the sacrifice, he gave all things, right? Laid himself down as an offering and a sacrifice for sin for us. And what he's done is said to become whole in, in the picture that I have for you, to become the person I have created you to be from your mother's womb, you need to be a participant in that work. And I think a lot of times we think, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm not an evangelist. And, and I want to go into that in a little bit and, and cover that. There are ways that you can serve that aren't in those ways. And we need to really focus on that and ask, how can I be more effective in the preaching of the gospel, even if I'm not a preacher or a teacher or an evangelist or or a missionary, how do I, where I'm at today, working my job, raising my family, how do I become more effective in the preaching and the teaching of the gospel? How do I facilitate the preaching of the gospel to more people? And, and maybe, man, I'm an extrovert. I, I can't talk to anybody. <laughs> no, I don't want to talk to anybody. That's fine. You can still pray. You can still give. You can still help those that are doing that work to make sure they aren't like wasting a bunch of time and energy doing things that's not productive for that. And so we really need to be mindful of those things. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Really short. I'm going to pull just a scripture, not out of context, but I'm just going to pull the scripture out. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. What does that say right there? Christian order. Christian order. And Paul says, be imitators of me just as... I also am of Christ, right? So Paul says, imitate me. But you know what? You're not imitating me. You're imitating Jesus. I'm just trying to be a good example of what an imitator looks like. Now, we've all heard the, the saying, right? Imitation is what? The highest form of flattery. That if, if you really want to flatter somebody or, you know, well, they're just like, they're, they're, they're a copycat. They're wearing the same clothes and driving the same car and well, that's flattery. That means they really like what you're doing. That's praise God, you know, whatever. I mean, or they're, however that is, imitation is the highest form of flattery. And, and Paul says, be imitators of me as I am also am of Christ. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9, reading through verse 20. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, 
although though we are speaking in this way. For God is not so unjust as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name, having ministered and still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Why? So as to realize the full assurance of hope unto the end, so that you will not be sluggish. See, that's exactly what I was saying, is we need to be focused on that. Let me read that again. <clears throat> and we desire that each one of you to show the same diligence, so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And how important is it that we, I mean, we want to hear, our desire should be to hear on that day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That really needs to be our kind of our, our keen focus. And I don't want to put anybody on a track of just, just go to church and be a good person. And, and in 90 years when you die or whatever, 80, 60, 50, 40, 10, 2, 1, you'll go to heaven. That's, that's not what this is about. It's like there is, there, is a, there is a form of heaven to be realized on this earth in service. There's a form of heaven, I think, per, personally, there's a form of heaven to be realized here on earth in doing the work in understanding to being part of a bigger cause, in understanding and sacrificing for something greater than yourself, right? By our very nature, in doing that, we become something greater than ourselves because we become something greater than what we could ever be. We attach ourselves to him, right? To him who created all things, to him who died and rose again on our behalf. We become something much better, much greater, much more useful, like we talked about last week, than anything we could be on our own. And, and again, to go back to last week's lesson, what do I need to be useful? How can I be useful in the spread of the gospel? How can I be useful in, in, the, in the spread of the, the knowledge of the Son of God? How can I do that? And that's, that's where we really need to really work on that. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could by swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise for men swear by one greater than themselves. And with them, an oath given as confirmation is an end to every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to show his heirs the promise of the unchangeableness of his purpose. To show his heirs the promise of the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things, which is it, it is impossible for God to lie, we who take refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. That we, as it says here, who have taken refuge in the gospel, in the hope that is eternal, would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope having as an anchor for the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. How important is it for us to be of single-minded purpose and to encourage others to be so single-minded that our hope, our whole hope, our everything, our eternity is wrapped up in the hope of the gospel. The hope, right, as he says there, of the unchangeableness of his purpose. He has not lied to us. He has not left us alone, no matter how bleak it seems, no matter, it's like, well, nobody else seems to take the gospel that seriously. It doesn't matter. He wants us to have that kind of hope in something outside of ourselves, something greater than beyond ourselves, 
Because none of this, right, and we've talked about it, none of this is going to make it. None of this lasts. We don't take any, as much as I, there are certain things, I mean, can I, can I take my boat to heaven? <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I just don't see it, right? There's no sea. There's, exactly. I mean, you know, God's going to say, hey, you still fish for men, I don't mind that. But, right, there's no, nothing here is going to be eternal. Everything that is eternal, everything that matters, and how, how short I mean, we were talking about it, how fast time has flown. I mean, man, the older I get, I hit 50 this year, and it just seems like we were talking about something the other day. I was like, well, yeah, it was just a, that was last year, wasn't it? No, that was three years ago. It's like, oh, my goodness. Three years, where'd that time go? And then you get to think back 2012, 2010, 2008. It's like, man, where did the time go? I mean, it is just absolutely ripped, and it goes so much faster the older I get that I guarantee in, in eternity, this life is going to seem like such a minuscule, where is it, minuscule, <laughs> minuscule piece of time that we need to focus on what's going on here. And, and it, it, you know, I've preached this before. Yeah, we've got concerns. We've got families to raise. We've got lives to live. We've got certain things we have to do. I mean, try not paying Caesar his coin and see how long you can last in your house. That's not, we've got things we've got to worry about, but our focus, our goal, our aim, our hope needs to be wrapped up in the hope, this eternal hope in Jesus Christ. It has to be, because that's the only thing that's going to last. And as he tells us, right, it is, it is hope both sure and steadfast, and it enters into within the veil, right? What's the veil? Why is the veil important? Because that's where we're clothed in Christ. That's where he looks at us and sees not us, but sees Jesus, his son. That we, are, we enter in that veil and we are robed, we are clothed with Christ so that we, he knows we are his. And it says here, why, why is that veil important? Because that's where Jesus has entered in as a forerunner for us, right? A forerunner, somebody who did it as an example for us, uh, the first one, a pre, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So that gets us back to this whole concept of the gospel. We looked at Paul and Paul's example and Paul saying, listen, your hope has to be wrapped up in the gospel. Your hope has to be, has to be steadfast within the veil. Because if our hope isn't there, it's going to be dashed on the rocks. Because that's the only thing that's real, and it's the only thing that's going to last. So in 2 Timothy, and, and again, we need to tell ourselves, it's the only thing that's real, and it's the only thing that's going to last, is our hope in the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-8 through 8. Paul tells Timothy here, preach the word. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judge of the living and dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come, and I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith, and in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only me, not only me, right, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And all those that love is appearing cling to that hope, right? Cling to that hope desperately. What do I need to do? And it's easy to be, it's easy to be distracted. It's easy to, 
forget about what's really important. It's easy to watch a squawk box that tells you you need to be freaked out about what's going on and forget living your life and climb in a hole and dig for China because the bug's coming for you. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's nuts, right? And, and again, I mean, what's eternal? My hope in Christ is eternal. That's, that's the only thing that's real. That's the only thing that's going to last. This bug will burn itself out, and it'll be one of 10,000 other things I worry about on a daily basis, right? Just like the flu, just like all the rest of the stuff that's come around. Uh, was it the Spanish flu back in the beginning of the 1900s? This, is, this will be a side note in history again. And we just need to look back. And I always ask myself, if I'm looking back at what's going on today in 100 years, what kind of actions should I take today that are not going to look like a total imbecile in 100 years. And those, those are important conversations to have with yourself. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 11, verses 4 through 16. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers. Why did he give all those? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man or woman. Again, going back to Hebrews. Uh, eating meat, not milk, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into all aspects, into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. See how important each one of us is. And, and the proper working of each individual part then, comma, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. How important are each one of us? You know, the eye cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you, or the hand to the mouth, right? Every part is important. Every piece has its job to do. It's just finding that job, right? What is that job? I don't know. Go talk to them. Go talk to her. Go talk to him. Go. I find we need to pray that we, we pray to God. What is my part in the body? What gifts have you given me that I can do that help the furtherance of the gospel? What is it that I can do on a daily basis and put my mind on and work on and, and work with my hands or work with my mind or pray that, that, that furthers the gospel today, right? That furthers it more than if I didn't do anything at all. That's the kind of question we have to ask ourselves so that the, each individual part does its job of building up the whole body of itself in love so that, that it is doing the body as a whole, the body, the church proper, is doing what it needs to do to, to further, to what? What are we all working for? Maranatha, the Lord coming back. What does the church need to do to bring Jesus back? That's what we need to be focused on. And so we talk about how he gave some as apostles, and I'm going to talk about that here in a second. <clears throat> but I want, to, I want to look, because we don't talk about, we, we know that verse, right? We know Ephesians. Yeah, we've heard that. But, but look at Luke chapter one, 8. Verses 1 through 13, or 1 through 3. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. What, is, what does that say in your Bibles? Ministering women. Ministering women. How about I throw out there today that if the women didn't catch the fire and see the picture, and with their hands and with their prayers and with everything they've got, minister to Jesus, we would not now have the hope today we have. How about I throw that out there? 
that if it wasn't for the women that supported Jesus both physically, monetarily, and through their prayers, Jesus couldn't have done what he did in his three years of preaching the gospel. Right? That's because we, not all of us are teachers, not all of us are preachers, not all of us are evangelists, not all of us are elders, deacons, you name it. But yet, here's a bunch of women that just said, you know what, we, we like the message, we appreciate what you're saying, and we're going to hang around with you for a while and let you just keep doing what you're doing because we think the message is worth, we think our time is worth that, right? And so it says there, soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some of the women who had been healed of evil spirits and sickness. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others, were contributing their support out of their private means. Well, what are we talking about there? They were financially supporting Jesus. That word ministering there in the Greek is 1247, diakonia, from 1249, to serve, to minister, means administered, administration, cared, contributing, support, do, the serving, see Keith? Employ and serving, minister, minister, ministering, servant, serve, serve as deacons, serve, serve as deacons, serve, service, rendered, serving, take care of, wait, and waited. A lot of serving going on there. But the beautiful thing is, is, again, they didn't have hands laid on them. They weren't educated. They were untrained and uneducated. They just said, you know what, this service that he provided for us is extremely valuable. We think others would appreciate it too. We're just going to buy in and we're going to do this. And again, they supported him out of their private means. Matthew chapter 27, verses 55 and 56. Many women were there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee while ministering to him. Among them was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. So we see more women who were there on, you know, at a distance watching what Jesus had going on and said, man, we really appreciate what this guy has done. We really appreciate, we think he's the son of God and we want to facilitate him in his mission any way possible. And again, it doesn't, nobody had to come tell them to do that. Nobody had to lay hands on them to do that. They just chose to do that and they did it. And that's that, they saw a purpose. Um, they saw a need and they filled a need. I had to go back to that little robots movie deal. Uh, Acts chapter 24 verses 22 and 23. But Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off, saying, When Lysus, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders for the centurion to keep him in, kept in custody and yet have some freedom and not to prevent any of his friends from coming and ministering to him. How much good did Paul do in prison? Right? We, we talk about this, and I brought it up last week. We want to scream, oh, my freedoms, I have to wear a mask. I can't do this. I can't do that. Paul was in jail. Like They took his ultimate freedom and said, you, sit here. Right? Now, they gave him, he had some leeway. It wasn't just in a dark prison, drippy cell kind of thing. But yet he had his ultimate freedom stripped away. But was he still preaching and teaching and writing books and had these people coming and ministering him? It all It is all in the mindset, Right? There's always opportunity. It's like uh, you can't kill hope. You can't kill that spirit and that drive and that desire to do something. If you want to do it bad enough, you'll figure out a way. And as we talked about last week, right, the whole Praetorian Guard and a bunch of other people had heard the gospel because Paul was in jail. I mean, there was huge blessings that came from that. 
And I think it's funny that we see here, and Felix had ulterior motives. I'll be the first to admit it. It says that Felix was hoping that Paul would kick him down some cash, right? That's <laughs> seriously, he wanted a bribe. But it says here, and not to prevent any of his, his friends from ministering to him. Paul wasn't a one-man show. Paul wasn't a one-man army. Neither was Jesus. They, there were people there doing what needed to be done, helping him, supporting him, ministering to him, so that he could do what he had to do. So it takes, lest I say it, it takes a village to preach the gospel. See, it takes a lot of people. And we, we think, well, I, I don't have anything to offer. What, I'll just show up to assembly and I'll, I'll give a little bit now and then and I'll be here and I'll say nice things to people when I see them and not realizing that, man, if we have a bigger vision, there's so much more we can do. And I'm just saying a bunch of women here that had demons in them found a great way to do something. And... I would also throw out there, I don't know that Jesus could have done, God would have found somebody else, but Jesus needed other people, people that he had helped in his past, to help him, to serve him, to minister to him, so that he could do the work that he did. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, with all perseverance and pers petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul asking for prayer and petition, right? Are we praying for those that are teaching? Are we praying for the, for the evangelist? Are we praying for the missionaries? Are we praying for those that are in target-rich environments? that God will, would give them wisdom and the words to speak by which they could save all these people in darkness. Just prayer, just prayer, just am, am I praying like I should for these people and, and as fervently, right, so that they are just loaded in this target-rich environment that they can get the gospel out there. Those are the things we can do. Um, I, I did, a, did a little thing and Fighters to non-fighters ratio, right? So when you're looking at an army, and I thought this was pretty easy. In the army, we use the term tooth to tail to describe the ratio of fighters to non-fighting support troops. In World War I, the tooth to tail was about 1.1 to 1 overall for the entire U.S. Army Expeditionary Force. Down in the fighting divisions, the tooth to, tooth -to tail ratio was higher, about 3.5 to 1. This reflects the fact that there was a larger logistical element that was above division level, hospitals, transportation units, stevedores, quartermasters, etc. And that's, that's what we have. We are the Lord's army, right? And just like in a normal army, you've got people that are actually like, the army isn't just made up of people with guns that are shooting at other people with guns. The army has got from tooth to tail. I love that description, right? So in the Lord's army, from tooth to tail, we have people that are out there preaching and teaching. We have people that are ministering to those people we have people that are giving to the cause so that, that that engine runs smoothly, right? Fixing stuff, painting buildings, putting in window sashes, doing whatever it takes, right? So that the Lord's church can continue to move on. Everybody's got a place. And just like an army, right? In an army, man, you got cooks, cleaners, sewers, mechanics. I mean, you name it, right? Drivers, um, like I said, stevedores. Quartermasters, Commodores, nurses, doctors, the whole nine yards, we may not be actively involved in the, in the action of preaching and teaching to others, but we sure as can find a way to be part of that tooth-to-tail communication line or that tooth-to-tail 
tooth to tail beast that is out there preaching the gospel. And that's, I thought that was a great way to look at it. Um, and that, that it, you know, it says, uh, read something else that says in World War I, it was about nine. Since then, due to the high tech nature of the military, it takes about 12, right? So, man, I think of guys like uh, Brad McKinney, right? Brad is the one that set this up. Bill's like, I'm in the hospital. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, we call and say, hey, can we come down and use the building? Bill's like, quit bugging me. Um, <laughs> but, but, I mean, right? And, and Brad, Brad was the man that facilitated us putting me as, the, as an administrator on here so that we could do this. It's worked out two weeks in a, in a row, good Lord willing. And so it just, that tooth to tail, man, we see it every day. Like, I'm not, I'm not the computer savvy guy. <laughs> That's definitely not me. But man, without Brad, none of this, you guys wouldn't be seeing any of this stuff. And maybe you're mad at Brad because you had to sit down and watch me. But anyway, <laughs> it could be that, that we actually need, right, all these different people to do the job. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, we know this one. <clears throat> but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated and when they saw him they worshiped him and some were doubt but some were doubtful and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I commanded and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age the great commission is to go preach the gospel make disciples right Make disciples of all the nations. You may not know how, you may not understand why, but from tooth to tail, you can find somewhere in there where you can be useful to the spread of the gospel. And I'll end with this because I'm just about out of time. I am out of time, but I'm going to spread on. Last week, Benoit and I, after our, our great assembly, we had a lot of fun up here doing what we did. Um, really appreciated it, really enjoyed it. But Benoit was leaving the next morning, and so he said, hey, brother, let's go for a drive. Why don't you take me out in that fancy little day car of yours? So last year, I got something to show you guys too. Last year, when everything was all depressed and all that, we, we managed to find this little German two-seater. That's a lot of fun. I'm taking Benoit on a drive in this thing. And, and I tell Benoit, I said, man, this thing's really cool because it drives like a grandma's car if you're just driving around. But it's got two buttons, sport, and then it gets a little sportier, and sport plus, and it gets a lot sportier. And so Benoit's grabbing a hold of me saying, brother, you're the man for Portland. you got to get this thing going. Go! Go and I'm like, like Sport Plus. He's like, yeah, Sport Plus, man, Sport Plus all the way, Benoit, right? Sport Plus, baby. And uh, just as an aside, it's kind of funny. We're running into this corner. It's about a thirty mile an hour corner, and Benoit's trying to encourage me. He's like, go faster, brother, go faster. I'm like, all right, let's go faster, Benoit. And he's like, no, I need preaching. So we did about a thirty mile an hour corner, about meh, fifty fifty five. And we laughed because I, I realized Benoit was trying to encourage me to go faster <laughs> preaching and get after it. But I thought, let's have a little fun with this and we'll take Benoit really fast around a corner. Show him just how German engineering works. So I'm going to leave you there with that today. Sport Plus, people. We need to be in Sport Plus mode. We need to figure out what we're doing. We need to figure out how we're doing it. And we need to figure out tooth to tail how we fit in, that, in this time and in this place so that our work that we do individuals and as individuals in the church is something that helps to promote the preaching of the gospel. What is it? How, where do I fit in? How do I fit in? And I'm telling you, man, we need to figure it out now, right? There's no time like the present. Arise, sleeper, and awake from the dead, and let the light of Christ shine on you. So with that, leave you there, that encouragement. God bless everybody. Have a great day. And uh, I may see you next week. I'm not sure, but in either way, what's that? 
Oh yeah, that's right. But, uh, get all excited. We're gonna do the get all excited here. Get all excited, go and tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go and tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go and tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right. Have a great Lord's Day, everybody. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.